Well, happy Thursday, and welcome to another episode with me, Miss Bradley, of Cerberus. Um, of course, I want to begin by thanking our dear Adrian, our AC Walker, for letting me be a part of the AC Walker family. Um, I just wanted to thank all of you as well for listening to me last week and the last time that I had a show with um, Adrian, and as well as continuing to listen to me and my crazy rantings. Um, I am very pleased to say that I got some feedback, and it makes me very, very happy to hear. I actually do want to read one of the emails that I got. It was a very good email, and um, we're going to call her T. All right. It says, Hi, Mr. Walker. I started following your podcast about a month ago, and I've been enjoying it so far, which is wonderful. Um, I have a question about your last show. I'm not sure how well you know your pagan guest, Miss Bradley, but on the show you all burned a blue candle, and after the show I did a little research and I learned burning the blue candle is also a spell to gain a person's loyalty. Shouldn't a person's loyalty be given willingly? Are you afraid to have these spells done in your studio? Do you smudge with sage after the show to rid your home of any bad spirits that may have entered as a result? How did you become interested in paganism and witchcraft? Do you think this is something you would be interested in practicing? I'm a very spiritual and metaphysical person. I'm a medium and a dreamer, but the candle burning has always been associated with darkness, so I'm a tad bit leery about it, and it's always great to get a different perspective on things. Thank you kindly for your time. Well, T, I would truly love that you took the time to uh, to reach out to us. I will tell you, um, candle burning is not always considered darkness. In fact, I personally will never, ever teach anyone or show anyone how to do anything that would be considered dark magic or black magic. I know that it is able to be found out there on the internet. Everything is there. But I personally do not feel that putting that out there is for the best of myself or for those around me. Um, because you have to remember that energy goes out and about and it follows you and it is in your home. It's in everything that you do and it's in everyone that you touch. So yes, candle burning can be used for bad things. However, I will never use that for bad things and I will never teach anyone to do so. Candle magic is a very strong and potent magic that is very, very positive if you allow it to be. You have to understand your intention is what powers your magic. And so having the intention that we had of healing and happiness, that's what went into that spell. Now, blue is a color that can gain someone's loyalty, but here's the thing. It all has to do with intention again, and that is a form of very, very dark magic that I will never touch and do not condone touching. If that is something that someone wants to do, more power to you away from me. But that messes with free will, and even the universe, the deities, gods, what have you, whatever you want to call them, 
they don't even mess with free will. There's even passages in the Bible, there's passages in different texts, there's passages, there's documentation, there's everything that free will is not to be messed with. And one of the things that makes us inherently human is our free will. And so gaining someone's loyalty and or trust in doing spell work is wrong on every level as well as for instance if you were thinking of a love spell same thing that messes with someone's free will and that is not something i ever want to be misconstrued as having done um, i'm very upfront and very forward with everything that i do and i just want it to be known that i've been doing this for a very long time um, i am 32 have been doing this since I was a teenager and I have mastered the ability to cleanse a space before and after and to make sure that my intention is known in what I do and that is a huge part of what I do here is talking to people about what I believe in talking to people about what they can learn if they choose to. It's not all gonna be magic based. In fact, today's um, talk, I wanted to talk about colors. What color means, what color is for, what we ourselves perceive in humanity for color. Um, one of the things that I found really fascinating was that um, people since the Middle Ages have been really kind of fascinated with you know what color does or how we perceive it and um, in my research because it's it's a subject that's very interesting to me I found that um, Isaac Newton in 1666 was the first person really that I guess was documented as having separated the um, the actual shades of light um, he took light through a prism and I'm sure everyone has seen you have crystal prisms or glass prisms and you see the light come through as a rainbow we all see it um, basically what he did was he took a prism and as you see in science class or in um, you know videos and things of that nature it separated the different colors it's separated into the main colors that we see, considered the um, seven main colors, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. And um, he was fascinated by this because he felt that these were the only colors that we could truly perceive. And um, what he found interesting was if, for instance, he were to take a light that went to green and um took magenta they would cancel each other out or if you take and you make a wheel of all the colors those those seven main colors and you spin it that it would appear white now that is how light reflects off of what we see as color and our eyes can only really perceive so much there's um a lot of things that we can't really perceive. For instance, um, our eyes account for approximately 70% of our sensory perception. It's based on our um, 
light perception, our depth perception, speed, and um, peripheral vision. We experience a lot of our world through what we can see. And for those that are not seeing impaired, approximately 70% of their perception is through what we see and experience in that manner. And so being that we can't see infrared or we can't see UV, um, and that some animals can see things that we can't, and we can see things that other animals can't. It has to do with the makeup of our very eye. And you see, we have, our eyes are round. It, it's usually about an inch in diameter, um, and really we only use about one-sixth of the surface. The rest is inside of our, um, in our skull, in a socket. And most of what you see is just what we use to bring the light into our bodies. Um, we don't see the optical nerves that are connected to the brain. We don't see the actual structures inside the eye. Um, basically, what we're looking at is you have the iris, which is the colored part of the eye, and that's a muscle that'll change size based on how much light is actually entering the eye. And you have the retina at the back of the eye, which is you know a layer of two different types of cells, rods and cones, you know, and that's what determines how you view the world and also your eye color. Um, it helps you to see in darkness and distinguish black, white, shades of gray. Um, those are the rods. The cones are it make us able to see red, green, and blue and are able to detect detail in daylight. And that's just one of those things, the main colors, like the primary colors are red, blue, and yellow. And so that's how we're able to view the world and see the color and the mixtures of those colors. So um, typically, when we look at a color instance, we don't really think about that so much and what they mean. But really, there's a lot you can do with colored light. Um, there's a lot that you can do with color in and of itself. Um, for instance, there's a German scientist, his name is Fritz Albert Popp. He believed that humans actually emitted our own version of light. And he did research and found that we do, in certain frequencies, we do emit a certain amount of light. It's our um, electromagnetic field, it's our heat, it's our energy. Um, some people may refer to it as an aura. We're not covering auras today, but if you chose to, you can look into that. Um, there's also a lot of medical sort of things that you can do as far as color goes. Um, different colored light directed to the body is considered a form of light therapy. Um, if you were to say, for instance, point a red light at the body, it warms them, it is stimulating. So it can stimulate your blood pressure, your blood vessels, your heart. That light basically absorbs into us and helps with all of our heart and capillaries and blood. Um, orange, for instance, is energizing. It helps to give you energy. That's the sunlight. That's looking at flowers or pumpkins or what have you that are orange. Light that is energizing is usually orange. Um, yellow light, if they shine a yellow light on you, that's for mental awareness. It helps to wake you up. 
it helps you to kind of cognize that, hey, this is, I'm supposed to be awake, I'm supposed to be doing things. Um, typically, if someone were to shine a green light on a specific part of the body, it's for soothing. It helps you to calm your breathing. Green is a color that calms you and makes you feel safe. Um, blue, as well, is the same. It's relaxation. It helps to relax you. And it's funny how as these shades darken, if, say, you're in a room or if they put it actually on you, it makes you feel safe and it makes you feel sleepy because it, it kind of simulates the sun going down. And um, another way of doing it is basically you take a colorful light and you project it through a crystal. Um, now, we're not necessarily talking about, say, a quartz crystal or, say, you know, any other form of mineral. It could even be, you know, a piece of crystal like glass, crystal glass. You know, a prism is essentially what they're talking about here. And um, that's another way to kind of purify the color. It's called true color or true light onto the body. And a dark green light helps to heal broken bones and regenerate tissue. That, that color kind of speaks to our cells and helps us to regenerate. Um, ruby red light raises your temperature and your metabolic rate. Um, the darker the red, the better your heart is going to respond to that. Um, blue light helps to heal burns, like the dark, dark blue. Um, more of a sapphire color will help to regenerate your tissue and help you to burn. Um, heal from your burns and help you to kind of stimulate the healing process. Orange and apricot and yellow are all great for mental health and antidepressant. Now this is different from just plain light. This is the true light that is focused through a crystal or a prism. Um, so you do get different sort of, in these studies at least, different sort of results from that and um, one thing that I thought was nice was that when you shine a pink light through a prism it actually helps people to lower their aggression um, pink is the color of love of everlasting love and what makes me kind of giggle about that is one of my favorite stones is rose quartz rose quartz is it's a quartz but it's pink it's a very light pink color to a very dark pink color, and it's a stone that's specifically for connection and love and uh, femininity, and it just makes me happy that that color, even in the color spectrum and light, still stimulates those same thoughts and feelings in us. Because humans really, we are energy. We are light, we are water, we are elemental. And so to fuel our body, we also have to fuel our soul. And so this light therapy works in that manner. Now, I just read a few different studies about it. Um, I probably didn't go as in-depth as I could have, um, but feel free to do so. I, I found some very interesting information along those lines. Um, I'm sure you can hear my pages flipping because I took a lot of notes because I wanted to be educated when I talked to you guys about this because it's something that I'm extremely interested in. Um, for instance, colors affect our mood, a gray sky versus a blue sky. If you walk outside and it is gray and you don't know if it's going to rain, it's just kind of muggy and gross, you just feel off. 
But if you walk outside and it's a bright, happy, sunny day and the sun is out and there's just a few clouds in the sky and the birds are singing, you feel happier. And it's light and color, okay? Um, your sunlight is extremely important as well. And in talking about color, we can't deny that most of that is from the sun, sunlight and how we perceive it. And one thing that I found and that was mentioned several times was how our bodies need sunlight to function. And what I found interesting was that in that same kind of mindset, it also listed things that would happen if you didn't get enough sunlight. And I'm one of those people that I, I kind of stay in the house a lot more often because I'm not a big fan of getting sunburns. <laughs> I, I turn into a lobster, I truly do. Um, but vitamin D deficiency is a big deal. You, you do not feel well if you are lacking in vitamin D, but also it can cause depression, insomnia, like poor sleep if you do sleep, um, mood swings as well. Like it's just so important to get out and experience what the world has to offer because all of your body, all of your heart, all of your, your mind will thank you for it. And so that's also part of, you know, enjoying color and what it means to you. Now, other things that people have done for, you know, research on color was psychology when it comes to color. And I know we've all heard, you know, certain colors mean certain things, and it honestly really has a lot to do with how you perceive said color. But one thing that I found to be universal for some of these were, for instance, red, energy, passion, ambition, um, determination, or rage and anger. You see these both from the same color, and you also feel love and and you know just uh abundance with red orange social communication it is one of the strongest colors for communication and so if you look a lot of companies use red and orange and even yellow which is also great for intellect and optimism it's it's cheerful it may it brings people in and these three colors in and of themselves look at for instance McDonald's. Red, orange, yellow. Yellow brings you in. Red and orange kind of make you hungry. They make you feel like a little agitated. But those three colors in and of themselves, they make you hungry. They make you a little agitated. And they make you a little bit antsy. So you're in this place and you're hungry and you want to eat all the things because it's food. And you want to you know, get the stuff and you want to get out. And the idea of a place like McDonald's is to get you in, get you fed and get you out. And so that's why their color palette is predominantly red, orange, and yellow, because those three colors together, they kind of make you feel those things. For instance, doctor's offices, you see a lot of green, gray, and blue. Those three colors make you feel safe and they stimulate healing and they make you feel like you can trust the people around you because green is specifically for balance, growth, self-reliance and positivity. It's for healing. Um, blue is trust and peace and integrity and loyalty and gray in and of itself is 
Oh my goodness, excuse me. Um, gray in and of itself is one that is meant for trust and stability and truthfulness and rigidness. So those three colors together make you feel like, yes, I can trust these people here. And so next time you're in a doctor's office or a veterinarian's office, look at the walls. Look at the scrubs that the people are wearing. Look at, you know, the decorations. I imagine you'll see a lot of blues, greens, and grays. And that is whether conscious or subconscious, something that people naturally will flock to, to feel safer. Um, again, pink, unconditional love, turquoise. Um, turquoise and teal are a lot of communication and clarity of mind. I find it amusing that a lot of people feel that teal is a color that brings bad luck if you use it for your bridesmaids dresses. Um, I believe that's from a movie, I think the wedding planner. Um, but that's something that I've heard from a lot of different people that they feel that teal is bad luck for a bridesmaid's dress. But teal isn't bad luck, neither is turquoise. It's good for opening communication. Indigo is a very important color, um, especially if you're in the metaphysical world. Indigo is an extremely important color. Um, indigo is a mixture of purple and blue. It isn't violet. It isn't any of these other colors. Indigo is unique and it's named after a specific plant that basically symbolizes intuition and spirituality and um, rituals, um, structure within the mind, opening of the mind. It takes the properties of blue and the properties of purple, purple being um, metaphysical, purple being um, imagination, creativity, royalty, practicality. Um, in fact, a lot of witches will paint their door purple to identify themselves because that is a way of basically stating, I'm a witch, I'm here, I can help you. So indigo is a mixture of those two, and it's a very powerful color, especially in the metaphysical community, um, when dealing with people and abilities. Um, Doreen Virtue is someone that I have studied a few times. I have some of her books. Now, I'm not going to tout one author over another. There's a million and one different authors out there. Just someone that I particularly have read and have enjoyed is Doreen Virtue. And she is one that works a lot with angels. And one of her books actually deals with indigo children. And the idea of an indigo child is someone that is, or an indigo person, is someone that is um, destined to bring change in the world and make way for what they call crystal children, which are the children of the future. Um, children who are in touch with themselves and with the world around them. And the indigos are meant to bring about change in the world so that there will be a better place for the crystal children and the crystal people to be. Um, people that are far more in tune with themselves, in tune with nature, people who are more spiritual, people who are kinder and more likely to help one another. Um, and honestly, that's a beautiful thought for this world that has, quite frankly, become quite toxic in some places and with some people. And our job is to make things better for the next generation either way. You know, if we have children, I have not been blessed yet, but if, you know, if you have children, you choose 
to make the world better for your little one every day just by being there for them and helping them with everything that they do. And so the idea of the indigo people, the indigo children, really truly kind of sat with me in making a better place for those that are still to come. So. Um, that's really about all that I had on color tonight. I know it's not the most exciting topic in the world, but to me it's very interesting how our world affects us and how we affect the world around us and how something as simple as the color that you're wearing or the color of lighting that you're sitting in or just what you gravitate to just says so much about you and says so much about everything else and it just is fascinating to me how even stones will specifically fall into those color patterns you know the different rays of color for instance i just opened this book that i have the book that i've been using um crystals by janine harding um, it's a very, very insightful book. And I just flipped it open, happened to flip open to the blue ray and blue kyanite, a mineral composed of aluminum silicate. Um, this is a stone that I specifically have used in healing. It's a great conductor of energy. It works like a channel to transmute negativity out of the system, specifically what it says. And I have a few pieces of this very stone that I use for healing and for, you know, helping people to let go and release old energy. And it's ironic that I literally just flipped to that considering, you know, that's kind of where my mind has been lately and letting go of old things and bringing forth new things. And that's where I am in my life right now of letting go of the past moving towards the future and hoping that it's going to be a better future for myself and for those whom I love. Now, like I said, not the most exciting subject for today, but I enjoy it and I'm thoroughly fascinated by it. Um, I will have another subject next week. I haven't decided what I want to talk about next week. Um, I like to research things before I talk about them just so that I know what I'm talking about and so that I can, you know, answer questions and anything of that nature. But if you have questions, I have set up a specific email for this show. Now, I've mentioned that this show is called Cerberus. Now, it's not spelled the Greek way. <laughs> um, it's spelled S-E-R-B-E-R-U-S. And the reason why it's spelled strangely it's because I have a very, very common first name. Chances are you know at least three people with my first name. And in school with my friends, it was extremely difficult to actually, you know, get a hold of me because everyone else with my name would answer. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay any kind of attention because there's so many people with my name that why should I even bother? Chances are they're not talking to me. And if they are talking to me, they'll catch up with me eventually. So eventually they gave me the nickname of Serby and it stuck. And as we do in our young lives, we kind of mess with our names and it came Serby Serbs, which turned into Cerberus. And I loved it. 
I love Greek mythology. I love a lot of different mythologies. I'm no expert by any means, but I am extremely interested in a lot of mythologies, especially Greek and Roman, which are almost the same thing, and Egyptian mythology. And in Greek mythology, you also run into Cerberus, which is the three-headed dog that is the protector of the underworld. Now, Cerberus in Greek mythology comes from Karaboros, which essentially translates to spotted one. So literally Hades named his dog Spot. And um, that's not why I went for it. It just kind of made sense. But it just makes me laugh that, um, you know, Hades literally named his dog Spot. And that is something that's like in our mythologies as just having been you know, accepted for so long. So it's not like the mythology. It's something completely separate. It's me. It's unique as my crazy self. And so if you'd like to email me with any kind of feedback, positive, negative, whatever you feel, um, my email is CerberusMagic, M-A-G-I-C-K, spelt the way of magic as in practice not as in magic shows so Cerberus magic at gmail.com i will respond to you as often as i can um, i will be very very happy to hear from you all i will read emails and answer questions in the show and um, if you have anything that you'd like me to know or if you have any topics you'd like me to discuss, please go ahead and share it. I am open to suggestion. This is an entirely new thing for me, stepping out of my shell to kind of speak to people that I can't even see, I don't even know. But it's something that I feel is very freeing. And just know I love you all. You are family to me because you are listening to me. You took the time out of your day to click on the notification that says, hey, this just popped up. This is here. And so I relish the fact that you are here. And I love you all with all of my heart, more than all of the stars in the sky. And I will see you next week as well. And don't forget, my email is CerberusMagic at gmail.com. Thank you so much and have a wonderful evening.